Welcome to Virtual Student Experiences, where we inspire students to aspire. For more information, please check out our website at www.virtualstudentexperiences.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to VSC Season 3. Today's webinar will be a webinar focused on philanthropy. If you guys are new to our program, Virtual Student Experiences is a pro bono initiative spearheaded for students by students. And we at Virtual Student Experiences want to be the inspiration for aspiration. Our goal is to give students around the world an opportunity to hear from professionals in their career industry of interest in a friendly and casual setting. And if you're a student that knows what you want to do in the future, we at VSC want to encourage, allow, and connect you with professionals. Through VSC, students are given the chance to decide if their career choice fits their personality, skills, and overall interests. Through VSC, you'll be able to hear from a wide variety of guests from a wide variety of seniority levels. And to find out more information and to sign up to be notified about other webinars, you guys can visit our website at www.virtualstudentexperiences.com. Without further ado, our very special guest today is Mr. Christopher Conway. Mr. Christopher Conway started his education at the University of Illinois, where he studied classics and English and graduated with honors. Since then, he has also gained a JD from Washington University in Trusts and Estates, in addition to being the president of the Joffrey Ballet for two years, he's the founder and principal of Philanthropic Council LLC, which has offices in Paris, France, and LA, California. We are very honored to have him here today. Thank you so much, Mr. Conway, for joining us. Thank you, buddy, for having me. Um, just to start us off, can you tell us from, I guess, your perspective, what industry are you in and how, how exactly did you get <laughs> into that field? I know, you know, when I when I register for certain things in their drop-down menus, there's almost never philanthropy, right? So sometimes I choose, um, sometimes there's a nonprofit and I'll choose that or uh, money management or I'll choose that. So yeah, it, it definitely um, is a growing field, but but it's still, it's still in early days. Um, so, you know, uh, I started with estate planning, which informs a lot of philanthropy because a lot of uh, philanthropies are funded through individuals' estates. Mm -hmm. uh, but anymore, it's a variety of liquidity events in people's lives uh, that will create foundations. Awesome. And I guess, how, how did you get into that field? I got into that field when I was 16 years old. Um, I uh, was interested in working at the Art Institute in Chicago, which is where I'm from. And so I um, uh, went to meet with their um, internship folks. And I told them, I said, I was interested in the fundraising. And they told me that uh, in all the years they had done summer internships, no one had ever asked to work in fundraising. So they said, you can have it um, because it's a very competitive uh, internship program, but not for fundraising then. Now the fundraising um, uh, internship is, is, is widely sought after. Um, but I chose a, you know, a best-in-class institution, right? One of the finest museums in the world uh, that fundraises um, in a similarly prestigious and um, uh, best-in-class sort of way, so. Awesome, and I mean, yeah. I guess, were, were there any steps or requirements that you had to meet before getting into that field? Um, uh, not really, you know, I mean, I think that now there are degree programs, uh, both undergraduate and graduate programs in philanthropy. So, so, so now there actually are, uh, I think, prerequisites for, for some, um, positions and internships and things. Uh, but, but it's really, um, 
it's really a relationship oriented, uh, uh, you know, vocation. And so you have to really want to work with people and not just in kind of a generic, you know, I like people. Um, you really have to want to get to know people, get to know their families, get to know their motivations. Um, uh, and to use your word, their aspirations and their inspirations. So, um, it's important and uh, it's not for everyone, you know? I mean, it's like sales, not that I'm selling anything per se, but, but I really have to be um, uh, organized. I have to follow up. I have to, you know, uh, present regularly to clients and pr prospective clients. Um, so if you are a person who likes that kind of front facing business, you know, not being away in an office or a laboratory or, or you know, something where you're not meeting with people all the time, um, then it's not for you. And I guess focusing in on your education a little bit, can you yeah. say, can you speak to, I guess, the role that your education plays to your success and really how important is it to go to a name school or get really good grades? <laughs> well, I think it's important, um, but that's, um, you know, that's just kind of a personal belief. Um, you know, I think that, um, you know, I went to the University of Illinois because I lived in Illinois and it made sense. Um, I think that, um, you, you know, you, you oftentimes in philanthropy, uh, the early uh, jobs don't pay a great deal. So I think being realistic about the debt you can take on, you know, if you... Um, want to go to a private school or a public school that's, you know, that's pricey. Um, you just don't want to come out um, with a great deal of uh, loans because then it's going to limit what you're able to, uh, to do, right? Mm -hmm. And so because I strategically um, attended a public university for my undergraduate and then a private university for my uh, graduate, um, I was able to kind of find a balance, right? So when I graduated from law school, I was able to be, um, really inclusive in all the um, all the job opportunities I looked at, where I had many friends who had, you know, $300,000, $400,000 in debt. And so they had to find the highest paying job they could find. That was the total, that was it. That's what they were looking for. They didn't care where it was or what they were doing. It just needed to pay as much as possible because they needed to pay that debt, right? And, and that's an unfortunate situation. I mean, some people thrive in that with those motivations. Um, I'm, I'm a bit more uh, idealistic, you know, um, which isn't necessarily uh, profitable idealism. <laughs> so. And I guess in terms of lessons that you took away from your education, can you speak to um, some of the most important things that you took away from that time that really helped you most in your career? Yeah, you know, law school is, is a very, um, you know, classics is a very heady, uh, academic um, training, um, uh, you know, Latin, German, ancient Greek, ancient, um, you know, a variety of ancient languages. And, and so that is more esoteric. And then law school is, is very much uh, vocational, very specific training, um, not academic at all. It's about case studies uh, and then applying them to real life. And so, um, so the two were a little, uh, incongruous, and so um, so I struggled with that a bit. Um, but I but it, I came to to find that my legal education really provided an excellent basis for uh, for you know for correspondence, for you know drafting and reviewing contracts. Um, you know a lot of really helpful 
uh, skills that that really you only get by uh, becoming an attorney. And so I, I do I do value my legal education. I think that was important. And you know, a, a strong liberal arts background, whether it's history or political science or English or what have you, um, you know, that's going to be important for reading comprehension and other elements of uh, law school. So. Um, and the languages, I suppose, you know, I, I was never very strong at languages, but I studied them for many, many, many years um, before college and during. Um, and I think the rigor of studying languages as well is important, even though I'm clearly not using um, ancient Greek on any regular basis. But, but you know, the process, right, the, the, the study and, and the, the memorization and, and all of that. Um, I think it it builds capacity, right? That can be applied to other uh, situations. So, very interesting. And yeah, I guess can you talk about I guess some of the things that you did in college that helped you to prepare for those first few jobs and internships? Yeah. So, and this is something that that I do think is is helpful for people to hear. Um, I was very active in uh, college, less so in law school because. Um, I just didn't have the time. <laughs> I was, it was, it was such a hard course of study that that I found myself very absorbed in um, in in the academics. But but in undergrad, I I uh, belonged to a variety of clubs. I uh, served in leadership roles in the uh, foundation, which is a fundraising arm of the university. Um, and so you know, I really uh, was able to network with people and, and people should never underestimate the power of, um, an alumni network, right? Whether it's your, you know, uh, Punahou or, you know, uh, uh, your, your college or, you know, your church or whatever it might be, reaching out to people that have had that shared experience, even, you know, if you're from, um, maybe a, a particular neighborhood or a small town or, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, looking at, at who you know and, and people who can relate to your life experience. It's very, it's very, um, it's very valuable. And I, I serve as a mentor um, to students at both the University of Illinois and WashU. And I get calls uh, and emails pretty regularly from people. And I am always helpful. And I don't mean that to be immodest. I just mean that, you know, by helpful, I respond, I, you know, try to make a connection for them. I, uh, you know, I, I avail myself to meet with them when, of course, we can meet with people. Um, and, and that, that's important right, for them and for me, uh, because I, I stay connected with that particular community. And, um, and I feel, you know, the gratification of, of supporting people who are uh, young and up and coming. So most definitely, I guess going yeah. back to the education a little bit, um, you got an, you got a JD, uh, yeah. you went to law school. Would you suggest people that are interested in going into the field of philanthropy, would you suggest they, they go to law school and um, get knowledge about how all of that works and how to like think like an attorney? Yeah. Um, hmm. I, I think it's one path, obviously, but I, but um, it's the best path. I'm not sure. Um, you know, I, th I think you can approach it from a lot of different directions, right? So it, it depends on uh, what within philanthropy you want to specialize in. So, um, for example, I, I have worked in the arts, but then I also work a great deal in, in um, healthcare and medical research. So, you know, 
if I had, for example, you know, a, a PhD in chemistry or a, a medical degree, you know, I think both of those uh, could be really helpful. Um, uh, so, you know, I think, I think advanced education is absolutely important, um, which, which, you know, one, I think it should be something that you're interested in, uh, passionate about, um, and can be successful. Because to go back to your original question about grades, um, you know, uh, people don't necessarily ask for your grades, but, but it, it opens up opportunities when you do achieve, right? So you will have faculty members, for example, who are willing to write letters of support or introduce you to, you know, um, people in their network or institutions that maybe they, uh, you know, worked in or graduated from. And all of that is really helpful. And if you're not a, a top student, it can still happen, of course, but it's less likely to happen. So. Interesting. I guess focusing in on, on your experiences now, can you speak about your time with the Joffrey Ballet um, and like what sure. your day-to-day -day like was with them and I guess what you learned and what type of skills that you used? Yeah. Yeah, so I was there almost a decade and um, I started as their head of, you know, philanthropy and fundraising um, and then moved into the chief administrative role, which was at the time called the executive director. Uh, and then they sort of upgraded the title to president, which was my last two years. Um, <laughs> working for the company, you know, I had never been, and people always would ask me, oh, were you a dancer? You know, did you, did you go to lots of dance? And, and neither are true, actually. Um, I think the only dance I was exposed to was, you know, my parents would take my sister and I each year to the Nutcracker, but, um, you know, we didn't even really think of that as dance per se, right? It was more just a holiday show. You know, we would go with, cousins or what have you and and you know um and just sit through it basically but um it is why i was attracted to the joffrey specifically is it it has a unique history um and at the time it had been um it was founded in new york spent 10 years in los angeles and then chicago recruited the company to come there uh, and and create its permanent home in the city. And as a real booster of Chicago, um, I, I saw the value in having a dance company in the city because Chicago, whether you, I, have you been to Chicago, buddy? Um, no. Okay, it's, it's a great city. Um, it has a wonderful orchestra amongst the best in the world, um, a, a wonderful um, opera company amongst the best in the world, but never had a, had a great ballet. So that was important to many of the, the city, um, uh, you know, kind of funders and founders. And so, um, so that was why they really recruited me there because they wanted to raise the money to build a new tower, um, which was a 34 story building called Joffrey Tower. Um, and then also create an endowment to support the company into the future. And so we did all those things. Awesome, that's really great. Um, and I guess you have another interesting role yeah. with assisting former U.S. President Jimmy Carter and, and the First Lady Rosalind Carter with their yeah. philanthropic goals. Can you speak about that quite special experience? Sure. sure. You know, that was probably my favorite job. I, um, after working or after law school, I, uh, I really wanted to work for the Carters because I really admired what they were doing specifically around eye health in, in uh, the developing world. And so I reached out to them numerous times <laughs> and I was actually pretty aggressive in my pursuit of a job there and finally I you know was invited to come to meet with the human resources department 
which I did, um, and successfully convinced them to hire me. <laughs> I mean, I did have, uh, you know, a fundraising background, which is, which is, it's actually an excellent calling card for, um, for getting into an institution that you really want to work for. And so it was uh, a nice way to uh, become part of an organization that, that I grew to really love and got to spend a lot of time with President and Mrs. Carter and the, and the rest of the Carter family, um, traveled to dozens of countries around the world, you know, met so many famous people, it's hard to even imagine, because when Jimmy Carter goes anywhere, um, he's he's sort of a living saint, right, for many people. And so, um, so, you know, when we would arrive someplace, especially when we were traveling abroad, you know, you would meet the president of the country, if it was a king or a queen or whatever it was. And so, so it was very exciting, um, uh, because he is, um, he's exactly how he presents, which is no pretense, no drama, no no grandiosity. Um, so, you know, you might just be sitting next to him in the car or on the plane. There was not like a huge, you know, entourage of people or, or what have you. And so, um, so that was, it was a lovely, lovely experience. Awesome. Um, yeah. And I guess as, um, can you speak about your experience now as the founder of your own company, Philanthropic yeah. Council LLC. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, you know, it was a dream for a long time of mine. Um, and, you know, it's scary um, after you have worked for, for large institutions to, um, to do, as you say, found your own company and sort of, you know, fly without a net a little bit, right? Because um, I've been doing it now for eight years. So I've built up a client base and I have employees and offices. And, and so it, the, the unknown has been removed. But in the beginning, it was, um, there was a lot of unknown, right? And so I, um, you know, I had to hustle, I had to get clients. Um, and, and I work primarily with individuals giving away money. So I will work with institutions raising money, um, but I'm very, very selective in, in who I work with at this point in my career, because um, even though my age would seem vast to you, <laughs> you know, I am at a point where I, um, I wanna be really uh, purposeful in, in the time I spend with clients. And so, you know, if it's, if it's an organization raising money, um, I hold them to extraordinarily high standards as it relates to, you know, their fiduciary responsibilities, their programmatic impact. Um, and with individuals also, you know, I have to feel good about um, how they're making their money, how they're managing their money, and how they want to use their money. So um, being in L.A. primarily, um, there are a lot of people uh, with a lot of money, <laughs> candidly. So it's not hard to find rich people in Los Angeles, especially because my office is in Beverly Hills. So it's it's convenient for wealthy people. Mm -hmm. um, but I have uh, a couple clients that um, spent part of their year in Paris. It's become limited now because of um, COVID. But um, that was why I created an office in Paris was to, to serve them uh, when they're there. So um, yeah, it's been really rewarding. And, and I, I see myself doing it probably for the remainder of my career. That's really great. Um, yeah. And I guess, can you speak to some of those changes that you've seen um, happen over the course of the pandemic? Like how was business before the pandemic? How did it change back in March of 2020? And yeah. how is it going now? And where do you see it going in the future? Yeah, you know, um, the folks that I work with, um, um, because of the stock market, real estate, 
um, you know, some of the stimulus money that has been issued by the U.S. government, um, they have become uh, exponentially wealthier. So in that way, um, and because of the crisis, they have been motivated to give away more of their wealth, which is a wonderful thing, even though it's it's um, distressing uh, the reason for it. But um, what I have seen is a shift away from a certain kind of funding. So for example, a couple of my clients would give money uh, not to dance companies, but to the arts, you know, and museums and uh, orchestras and things. Um, and they have cut that back dramatically. And, you know, that is, that's tough because, uh, you know, those companies, you know, those organizations still have a lot of expenses, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but these clients, and I don't disagree with them, have wanted to fund really basic needs. So food banks, uh, shelters, um, you know, addressing homeless and you know, uh, homelessness, all of those kind of things. And in LA, those are really big issues. And so um, there's been that shift. It will be interesting to see, you know, when and if it goes back, you know, to to sort of the the old um, kind of menu of, of, um, you know, uh, organizations they were supporting, or if they will continue to really see these basic needs as as more important than the arts. and, you know, something I have to say, I, I serve on a board um, at the University of Illinois, and um, I had a meeting with those folks today, uh, you know, via Zoom, and that mood meeting, you know, a year ago would have been in person, right? I would have had to fly to the Midwest, um, drive to the university, da, da, da. So, you know, I mean, in many ways, it's very efficient to, um, to have everything be virtual these days. Yep. So, yeah. Very interesting. And then I guess focusing on your job and the types of skills that you use, can you tell me about the maybe the top three skills that you use every day? Uh, sure. Um, I, I would say negotiation um, is, is one of them for sure. I would say um, uh, self-awareness is another. So not making it about me. Um, and then I would say... Um, you know, per- personalization or uh, specificity in in my uh, engagements. So I'm a big believer in um, not kind of uh, mass mailing or or uh, mass addressing you know problems. It's about you know creative and specific solutions. Um, so those would be three. But I have a lot of them actually. I think about these kind of things all the time. <laughs> That's really great. Um, and then. Can, do you have any suggestions or words of wisdom for students that are really interested in getting to this special field of philanthropy? Yeah, you know, um, sort of what I mentioned uh, when I when I spoke about the Art Institute, and that is that, you know, identify an area that you're interested in. So if it's the arts, or if it's medical research, or, you know, if it's, um, uh, you know, science, um, and then choose the very best uh, institution you can find to try to have an experience with them because that will lead to the next one you know and maybe the first one is unpaid and the next one is paid um but you know when you when you have even just a summer at the art institute of chicago any museum in the world that sees that will respect it right because it's like graduating from harvard or yale or something right even though it's just a summer so um so doing that uh, is really important. And so you might get offered a paid position at 
you know, um, a small community museum. And I don't want to, you know, bash them, but I would, I would argue, argue based on my life, my career, that the unpaid position at the much more prestigious institution is worth a lot more, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I think being on the lookout for that sort of thing and being willing to do just about anything, you know, it's a Midwestern trait. You maybe don't know that since you haven't uh, visited Chicago, but Midwesterners are sort of known for kind of um, being willing to do most anything, right? So if, if the Art Institute says, you know, we don't need anyone in fundraising, but we need someone to clean the front windows every day, you know what, clean the front windows and, and clean them better than anyone ever has. Um, and it will get noticed, right? And someone will say, you know what, that guy is doing such a great job in the windows. I bet he could do, you know, a great job in our fundraising department. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's important because so many people, uh, you know, they want to just come in in some sort of executive level and, and you can get there, but there are going to be some steps and people will respect you taking those steps, you know? Um, so I encourage people to, to be willing. Mm-hmm. That's really great. Thank you so much for that answer. Um, and then just to sort of close this out, do you have any suggestions as to courses or clubs that students should take at a um, high school or college level? And really, what is the typical path for um, someone that wants to get into philanthropy? What, what path do they take? Well, I don't know that this is necessarily exactly right for philanthropy. But something I was very uh, committed to for many, many years is we called it academic bowl in um, my high school and, and in college. You know, it's basically like Jeopardy, right? Or Scholastic Bowl or something like that. It was televised in, in Illinois. And, um, uh, you know, it, it involved a lot of memorization, right? Of facts and, and uh, circumstances and things. Uh, quick recall, um, a competitiveness that was healthy and respectful. Um, so I think things that uh, allow you to use your mind and, and importantly, um, interact with people. Because so many times folks like myself um, and others out there, I'm sure, who are uh, very academically inclined, they like to succeed academically. They like to be, you know, first in their class or what have you. Um, they maybe uh, aren't interacting with people as much, right? Because they're spending a lot of time in front of a screen or in front of a book or whatever. And so finding opportunities where you can, you know, still be learning things, but learning them with other people, I think it's important, you know? Even if it has to be virtual like this because of uh, the pandemic, um, it's it's still worth a lot to have those skills um, to be able to get to know people, to relate to people, and to get people to like you and to like people yourself. Because my goodness, life is long, um, and it can be tough. And so you should enjoy whatever you choose to do. And I have certainly enjoyed my career because it's about just those things: getting to know people, and and people getting to know you, and really having a genuine, authentic connection. And there's almost nothing better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really great answer. I really appreciate it. And just want to thank you again for taking the time to come and chat with me today. And you're welcome. I'm sure the students that will view this later will be able to really greatly benefit from what you're able to share with us about the um, quite special career of philanthropy. So thank you very thank much. You.